0: this meeting is being recorded i'm your host james Langton. and my guest today is the host of the podcast big tech energy mr jerry Albritton. thank you for joining me
1: hey what's up james how you doing man good to be here man i'm doing great how are you you know another day uh alive is a blessing so i'm doing great
0: amen well let me start by saying this man i'm a huge fan of what you're doing for the tech community like it's it's really I commend you and I salute you because as a you know as a black man it's a under um, it's an underrepresented field and I really appreciate you trying to do what you can to fill that to get more representation.
1: Absolutely, man. I mean, I feel like um, as a community we gotta each one teach one, uh, reach down and pull each other up and in. So um, I feel like you know it's it's only right. And I've been blessed to have a really long career in tech. And uh, have some great relationships and um, some insight that I, you know, I just hope that will inspire the next generation to um, get into tech and have incredible careers and get generational wealth.
0: Okay, so how did you get into tech yourself?
1: Yeah, so it was really just um, kind of on accident. Uh, I had I majored in uh, finance, minored in marketing, went to the University of Texas at Austin. And done. Did three sales internships uh, during college, uh, during you know each of my summers, and you know had pretty good success. Um, you know was one of the top sellers at each internship. So I had a really strong you know sales resume and a finance background. So I was thinking you know I could sell Bloomberg terminals. Um, I could you know sell insurance. I could sell you know, a lot of different things. So I was at a career expo at University of Texas and technology wasn't necessarily on the top of my mind, but I ran to IBM at the career expo and they told me about, you know, how IBM is transforming businesses with their technology. So I found that very interesting. You know, I found it very interesting that, you know, enterprise software sales is really about building out business cases and, you know, uh, finding and implementing business solutions. And then, you know, also the fact that nobody gets fired for buying IBM and how powerful of a brand and how powerful of a, uh, you know, training system and reputation they have. So I convinced them to invite me to their, you know, diversity hiring summit, uh, convinced the New York team to fly me out, although I didn't have three to five years of uh, work experience or an MBA. And then I convinced them to give me the job. I looked, The manager in the eye said, you know, I want the position. Can I have it? And I think that was the thing, you know, that's what the recruiter said. That was the thing that made them decide to take a chance on a 23-year-old and give me the enterprise software role in New York City at IBM. And once I was in and I had a really successful run at IBM, you know, tech was it for me. I just fell in love with software sales. And, um, you know, once I realized how much money there was in it, Yeah, there was no looking back.
0: You said that wasn't your original plan. So what was your original plan?
1: I didn't really have one. I was 22, 23. So I was really just down. I really wanted a job in New York City. That was it. Like I wanted a job in New York City that paid enough. And I knew I had a really good sales uh, resume. Um, So I was just like, it makes sense for me to get something that, you know, involves sales you know, closing deals, because ultimately, like why I like sales is because you can, you know, dictate your W-2 each year, uh, base salary plus commission. So uh, when it comes to tech, I'm not technical at all. I don't know how to code, um, none of that. But, you know, when it comes to tech sales, it's the most important role at a tech company. Uh, maybe, you know, neck and neck with like engineers, but ultimately it's like, we're the most important because once engineers and the product team develop the product, we're the ones that have to bring in the revenue. And uh, so I want people to not look at tech sales as not tech. It's actually very tech. It's the most important tech, uh, but it's not technical. So for anybody listening to this, that has sales experience, just know you have a transferable skill to get into any top tech company, work for a tech startup and get equity and make, you know, significant money, quarter million, half a million, million dollar W-2, you know, sky's the limit um, if you uh, are able to execute.
0: Why New York? Why did you want to live in New York? Uh,
1: So I just, uh, my freshman year, I, you know, started watching the show, The Apprentice, the first season, and I just loved that show. You know, and now looking back at Donald Trump, I'm like, wow, he's a clown. But, you know, (laughs) but at the time, like, I just loved the boardroom. I loved the suits. I loved the, you know, the energy of the city and the history of the city, you know, all of that. Right. So I visited New York during a company field trip with my college, Rema McComb School of Business. We got a tour a couple of different um, offices. Bloomberg, Ernst & Young, Bear Stearns when it was still there. And then one of my mentors, a family friend, he was an executive HBO. So he showed me HBO and uh, yeah, I stayed in Times Square um, and, uh, you know, did did like, you know, the touristy stuff and the energy of New York, um, the old adage of if you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Um, yeah, there's just so much like New York to me is like the greatest city in the world. And, um, you know, I figured if I work in New York, um, I'll be around the best of the best. And, uh, you know, I'll be able to experience, uh, you know, a really, really random, fun, interesting, you know, life out there. So I wanted to try it out.
0: I'm going to go back to something you said when you first interviewed with IBM. Um, You said you you knew you you didn't have the three to five years experience they were looking for. But what made you have the confidence to to look that man in the eye and say, I had the job? Because a lot of times you don't have what they're looking for. You just give up. Um, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would I would say that
1: what gave me the confidence is what I did during college. So my first my freshman and senior my freshman and sophomore year, the summers, I sold books door to door, knocked on doors in Kentucky and Minnesota, and I sold educational products to like, you know, moms, typically white moms in Kentucky and Minnesota, with their, you know, uh, husbands weren't home. And, uh, you know, to just imagine all the challenges of doing that as a young black kid, you know, carrying a bag around, just knocking on doors. But I was able to, you know, close and, that gave me the confidence going to IBM. So you might ask like, what gave me the confidence to knock on doors? Um, I would say, I would just say, it's just like my, my parents just gave me the belief that whatever I want to put my mind to, I can make it happen. My parents made it out of very adverse situations and, you know, extremely racist, uh, poverty stricken conditions in Arkansas. And they were able to, you know, graduate college and have successful careers and give me a great life. So for me, there is no excuse. And uh, that's how I look at life in general. And uh, that's why my podcast is called Big Tech Energy. Besides, you know, the play on words is there's an energy that's important to have success in this space, any career, really. But in tech, if you have the right mindset of, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to study hard and I'm going to work hard. Um, You can do well. And you know, it's also about being passionate about what you want to do. So when I like said, like, nobody's going to do it better, it's because I knew I'd work harder. I knew that I would research the company's annual reports more than the other person. I would, um, you know, learn the software, more than the other person. I will learn the business cases and the use cases more than the other person because I'm very competitive. uh, And I also want to add value as much as possible to everybody around me. So whether it's my management, whether it's my teammates, whether it's the end customer, my mindset is how can I make their lives better by meeting me? And so, because that's a genuine authentic perspective that I have, when I tell somebody, I'm going to do it better than anybody else. I know that I'm going to do it better than anybody else because I'm going to put that effort in. I'm going to bring that energy, but I'm also going to be humble, and uh, you know, soak up and listen to everything that is, you know, shared to me by people that have more experience and have you know done it longer. And so, once I got to IBM, that's exactly what I did. Found a mentor, basically copied their moves and replicated their success.
0: Let me get. I'm a- I'm gonna go back to the mentor really quick, but what was the feeling for you once IBM offered a job? Because I'm sure, I mean, you talked about it was a great compensation package. So being so being 23, young, and getting set up with a successful job, what was that feeling like for you?
1: Man, I remember where I was when I, you know, got the news. You know, the apartment that I was in during college in the living room. And I was just shocked, excited, and thankful. Um, Cause I, I had another offer with progressive insurance. Like I knew I was going to move out to New York, but this, this role is way more lucrative, not just financially, but just more so the um, environment that I was going to be around. When I pulled up to the interview in New York, as I mentioned before, I'm a huge apprentice fan and, uh, I had no idea, but the IBM building, 590 Madison, the one that I would end up working out of, is connected to the Trump Tower. Um, so, you know, IBM flew me out first class, uh, put me in a black car, and they dropped me off right at the door where the fired uh, apprentice um, cast members will walk out of after getting fired. And when that happened, I was like, yo, this is fate. I got to get this job. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so the fact that I was going to be able to work in that building, the fact that I was going to be able to work with these Fortune 500 uh, companies and you know meet with C-level executives, because I'm a nerd about business. Like, I love that. So for me, knowing that I'm going to be able to represent IBM at these like huge enterprise organizations and sit toe to toe with CTOs and CFOs and CEOs and get them from point A to point B. I was just like elated. I was just very thankful.
0: Clearly you've experienced a lot of success because when I read your bio, I saw the number. You said you you had $40 million in sales, which was unbelievable. Like how have you achieved so much success? Um, I think
1: it just comes back to my mindset. It's kind of like if you watch a bunch of Kobe Bryant interviews, it's like, dang, how did he become one of the greatest? Because he like willed himself to it. Um, I would say my success is one finding mentors that have done it exceptionally well, and one figuring out how to value them first, two taking what they give you and executing on it. So, and I that's a longer story about like IBM in particular, but just in general, that that's been my strategy. So, I, I'm about being efficient, and so. By learning from people that have failed for years and got a lot of success, and I can avoid those failures. That's been the big part of my success. And then the biggest part of my success is I underpromise, overdeliver all the time. It builds trust, it, it strengthens relationships, and your network is your net worth. So, like, the reason why my network is so heavy is because I never let people down. I never show up late, I never come up short. And the reason I can say never is because I hedge it that way. For instance, uh, with my you know software sales job, my quota is a quarter million dollars for the quarter, quarter and I really think I can hit five hundred thousand. Like I'm very confident I can hit it. You know what I, has brought me success is the fact that I'll, you know, always think about underpromising, overdelivering. Not necessarily sandbagging, but you know, making sure that confidence isn't shaken. So, I think I can close 500,000. My quota is 250,000. I have like two choices. I can either commit to 500,000 or I can commit to 300,000. If I commit to 300,000, my management team is going to be happy because I'm still over the quota of quarter million. Um, and so I commit to 300,000. I ended up closing 400,000 because the 100,000 I thought I was going to get that BP um, got fired and now they have to bring in a new one who needs to reevaluate it again. So I'm at 400,000 now, but because I committed to 300,000, I am a superstar. I brought 100,000 more than committed to the business. I made up for any of my teammates that fell short and now... You know, I, I'm I'm being applauded, and uh, you know everything's good. If I would have committed to five hundred thousand and closed four hundred thousand, yes, I would have been one hundred fifty thousand over quota. But I've been a hundred thousand short of commit, and that hundred thousand is going to hurt the company because they, you know, committed that hundred thousand to their shareholders, and now somebody else has to make up for it. So that example is just like those decisions you have to make just to make sure that everybody around you wins and then everybody sees you as having high value uh so that's internally and then externally if i tell a cto uh you know the projected break even point is going to be 18 months i'm pushing to get the break even point to 12 months 14 months 16 months so i can point to that if i say the metrics of improvement of their process is going to be 2x i confidently feel like it's going to be 3x but I'm gonna shoot for 4x, and if I hit 3x, then you know I'll land there. So that's where the success comes from—is being very honest, but also making sure that I overdeliver on everything that I say, um, and that built trust and like relationships are everything. So I've closed deals where our product wasn't as good, but they trusted me more, they liked me more, and I showed up in a way that was really responsive. I showed up in a way where I really cared, and that's the last point I'll say besides the over promise, under, uh, over, uh, under, under promise, over deliver. The reason I did that is cause I really do care about people. Um, you know, I really want to see people win. I want to see people get promotions. I want to see people, uh, make money. You know, I want to see people, you know, have happiness. So that's been the key because I move with integrity to ensure that everybody wins So I'll walk away from deals that don't make sense. But when I believe it really does make sense, um, you're gonna feel it. And because of how I showed up, you're gonna believe it. And then when you decide to do it, you're gonna be happy you did it. And then you're gonna say, let's do more. And i am be like, all right, let's do it. So that whole mentality and mindset and the way that I moved through enterprise sales made it so that once I close a deal, You know, say there's twenty thousand employees. I closed two thousand of those employees. You know, seats for the SaaS. You know, product. You know, per user pricing. Because I killed it with that two thousand, we implemented faster. We delivered more. Now that VP is walking me around to every other VP that hasn't bought, every other region that hasn't bought to say, look how smart I am. I bet on Jared. (laughs) I bet on this software, and I'm killing y'all. And the VPs are like, I want it too. And I was just able to grow accounts like that. And then the VP that I closed, before he closed, I'd be like, hey, I'm about to deliver. So I want you to remember this conversation when I do. And I'm going to ask you for a favor, and hopefully this is reasonable. There are other VPs, decision makers, that need the solution Um, it's a great fit for them, but they don't trust salespeople. They don't really want to, you know, hear it. They much rather hear from somebody like you, who's a fellow VP, a colleague, somebody that speaks their vernacular, understands their pain points in a way that even I can't, um, and it would be super helpful if you'd be willing to have X amount of conversations with other VPs on my behalf about how successful we made you. Is that something you're open to doing? If I make you really successful, they would say, Jared, not only able to do that, I'll take you for a steak. You know, what I'm saying, I'll da, 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 da. I'm like, all right, cool. And so once we got to that point where we're reviewing all the success, I'd be like, hey, you remember that conversation? He's like, yeah. You know, send him over. I'd be happy to brag about how well we're doing over here. And so that was another way that I was successful. It's just I'd have people selling for me on my behalf. Other executives talking to other executives. That would take like a nine-month sales cycle bring it down to like a three month sales cycle and we'd be able to preserve the price of the, you know, agreement, uh, because we came in with strength and we came in from the top down. Um, and so, you know, liken that to just my career, I make every sales engineer look good. I make every SDR look good. I make every um, customer success person look good, right? Because when I close a deal, I'm giving everybody their flowers. Shout out to my sales manager that helped me negotiate the pricing. Shout out to the legal team that helped me get through the legal contract. Shout out to the technical team for helping me get through the security review. Shout out to the customer success team that implemented it flawlessly that allowed us to grow the account. Shout out to my SDR who um, you know, made, made that call got that meeting and uh, created this opportunity. Without all of you, this is impossible. I put that in an email, I send it out to everybody. And you know, typically the salesperson gets all the praise, but I gave the praise to everybody else. So what happens when those customer success, that sales engineer, that lawyer, uh, that sales manager, when they leave to another company, and the first thing they're always asked is, do you know any good talent? Yeah, I do. I'm the first person they call. And they're always like, Jarrett, perfect position and they're selling me on why and they're selling their management on why they should give me the best offer possible. Cause this guy really is good. So it's, it's like easy at that point. Like I got internal reference fighting for me. Um, you know, one to get me to leave my company and two, uh, to convince management to make the offer sweet. And then when I get there, I over deliver and just the cycle continues. So, um, that that's been the key to my success, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to sell half of the software that I did if I didn't have that approach of relationships. And uh, you know that's how I look at, you know, just in general, uh, relationships over everything, integrity over everything, and people remember how you make them feel. Um, so make sure that you're always leaving people with a good impression, and uh, you know this industry's small, so you'll go far if you do that.
0: You talk about um, mindset a lot. Are there any books that, that you've read that really affected your mindset? That's a good question.
1: Um, I would say like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, in terms of what I read in there, I can't like spit it off, but that was, that was a good one for me. Um, Cause I think it, what I'm saying right now, subconsciously is what's been just kind of like sprinkled throughout that book. But um, I would say the training I did went before I, you know, sold books door to door. That is the thing that transformed my mindset the most. So basically there was a, a like a sales, you know, kind of like a boot camp and they really, you know, pushed you. But they also just talked about mindset the entire time. Life is 10 percent what happens to you, 90 percent how you react. Um, you know, you, you miss only miss the shots you don't take. You know, every no is one step closer to the next yes, let go, let God, you know, focus only on what you can control, you know, your attitude creates your altitude. Like, I remember all of these mantras because they kind of brainwashed us with it. And that's what, you know, enabled me to like have doors slammed in my face and just to keep it pushing because I'm just like, all right, cool. You know, that no is just one more step closer to the next Yes. Um, You know, when a cop would get called on me, you know, life is 10% what happens, 90% 90 how I react. So I'm going to react uh, without anger, but more so just focus on getting back to the next door. So I would would give that credit a lot. You know, they make us listen to these CDs while we're working, like Zig Ziglar and, you know, things like that. Um, Very, you know, motivational stuff. And, um, but yeah. Uh I, I, I definitely credit that with uh,
0: my mindset more than anything. I'm going to transition to the to podcast, podcast. Um, big, tech, big Tech Energy. Um, I got a chance to, first of all, I started following it um, just recently because ironically, I just learned about it. Um, I started following on Apple Podcasts, but then one day I was at work and I got a chance to watch it on YouTube. And let me say this. You have some excellent production. Like it is a very high quality show. So I really have to commend you on that.
1: Appreciate it, man. Um, And that's, again, Relationship Capital. That's my friend's uh, podcast studio. So he built all that out for his own podcast. And um, when I said, hey, I'm about to start a podcast, any advice? He's like, where are you shooting it? I'm like, "I'm, I'm working on it. He was like pull up to mine. My, my studio is your studio. And uh, yeah, it's a blessing. So I appreciate that. And I'm very lucky to have, you know, relationships like that where I can just jump in and that could be my starting point. Videographer, cameras, set, editors, all that. Uh, and shout out, it's Blueprint Media Group um, out in Fort Lauderdale. And if you want to get your podcast filmed, uh, you want to get placed at podcasts, you want to get photo shoot, um, whatever kind of content you want to get done, uh, the Blueprint uh, media group and production team can handle it for you. So yeah, shout out to them.
0: What made you decide to start a podcast?
1: Um, you know, I've been, being to- been told I should be doing a podcast for like two years, three years now, but I just never really had like a, a push to do it. My friend Kristen introduced me to Cyrus Harbin, the host of Tech is the New Black. And once I saw his page, I was inspired. I was like, wow, uh, he's telling people about sales engineer role, which I didn't think the black community would care about, but obviously they did, or more so they just resonated with the story. And I saw how he's inspiring people. And um, you know, to be very you know, frank too, he's making really, really good money. And um, all helping people at the same time, and that's like the the perfect storm where you're doing something you do for free, and you can make a lot of money from it uh, by just helping a lot of people get to their goals. So he was definitely a big motivation. Uh, I'd been on Clubhouse, you know, during the pandemic, went from eighty to thirty thousand, and then was growing steadily, but the app started kind of declining in like twenty twenty three. So I was like. I want to continue this message a mission of, you know, increasing diversity in tech, but I need to do it on platforms where one, my content will be evergreen, you know, so 20 years later, 30 years later, my grandchildren can watch it. I can't really do that with clubhouse. And then two um, I want to be able to expand my reach and uh, my impact, you know, with platforms like Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio, and, uh, you know, Earn Your Leisure is another uh, brand. You know, I'm not afraid to give, uh, you know, people their flowers. And I just loved how it started from a podcast and turned into a whole movement, InvestFest, UIL University, Merch, all of that. But more importantly, I like how they're changing the face of financial literacy and making it accessible and relatable our community so i was like i want my podcast to do that and i also want kids to see it and say like all right that's a black man or a black woman that i can aspire to be like and they are authentically themselves and they're not having to be something that they're not so that's what made me want to do it
0: how would you describe the feeling for yourself introducing tech to so many people Um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's fulfilling.
1: It's fulfilling. And I just enjoy seeing the wins. So like on clubhouse, we used to throw like 30, 40 recruiters on stage and have people in our community shoot their shot. So like those rooms were great because I would just be getting emails and phone calls. Like, Hey, I got the job. Hey, I got the job. Hey, I got the job. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a life changing industry. So it feels good, man. It feels like, I'm paying it forward I'm you know uh, basically passing on the blessings that God gave me uh, because shoot I didn't know anything about tech and I stumbled onto it but a lot of people you know may not stumble onto it so I want to be the thing they stumble onto.
0: How do you go about getting your guests because you record in person and you record in Florida so are all your guests in Florida will do something, actually fly to you to be on the show? Like, what's the process?
1: Yeah, man. Everybody, you know, if they're not in Florida already, they fly in. And um, it's just because of relationships. So, you know, as I mentioned before, I grew my following on Clubhouse. So I know social media before Clubhouse, during the pandemic, got on the stage, started talking about tech, and it just kind of took off found a group of people to do rooms with, and we we're just doing rooms every day. Cause you know, the pandemic, we couldn't go outside or we were bored. Uh, but we also enjoyed just really like answering questions and helping people. Cause you know, nobody's ever been this fascinated in tech until like recently, in my opinion. So uh, we're growing really fast, went from 80 followers to 30,000 in two months. And then, you know, right now I'm at like 82,000. So as you can imagine with those 82,000 people that I'm connected with, um, There's a lot of heavy hitters in the tech space, a lot of recruiters, hiring managers, et cetera. So I would say the majority of the people from uh, on the podcast are people I met on Clubhouse during the first like three months of my time there. Then they all left Clubhouse because outside opened up. But what I made sure to do is to keep the relationships in real life. Um, Also, I work with Afro Tech. So that gives me a lot of exposure to a lot of, um, you know, their speakers and um, they're just ecosystem of, uh, you know, exceptional black tech talent. Um, You know, I'm connected to Career Karma through Clubhouse connections, uh, black in HR from Clubhouse, Rev Genius from Clubhouse. So Clubhouse, although people kind of down it, it's like the app fell off or whatever, whatever, there might've been some questionable people on the app. From a tech perspective, it was a great live, uh, you know, linkedin type and um you know
0: how okay. i've made connections have, for them helped fundraise i've helped them get candidates i'm gonna have you back up for one second jared because i had lost you um you, you you said um clubhouse it went went like the people started going back outside so what did you say after that oh you know
1: i just i just made sure to keep the relations going in real life and um you know that's but basically long story short these are all people that i know and um, or that I meet at conferences and I say, hey, I have a podcast, Big Tech Energy. Uh, if you can come down to Florida during these days, I would love to have you film. And so um, some people can, some people can't. But thankfully, I have a really big Rolodex from all the work I did on Clubhouse and in my career uh, before Clubhouse.
0: How often do you recall it?
1: Uh, so I've only had two uh two sessions where i've recorded but when i record i record like 10 to 12 episodes at a time
0: oh wow wow
1: yes it's like back to back to back to back to back to back to back uh because i don't live in fort lauderdale i live in la right now but i'm thinking about moving out there it's it's in the air but i'm thinking about it
0: are oh, you thinking about moving to florida
1: yeah but i've got like eight episodes out uh t- right now as of today but i have like 16 episodes in uh, waiting that have been filmed already. So okay. uh, yeah, yeah.
0: You one thing that one thing that's actually I find it good. I think this is a good thing. You're not shy about sharing your success in the tech field. And I do feel like that's important because let's be honest, um you know money is a is a motivator. So what what allows you to be comfortable about sharing your success? Yeah. I mean,
1: actually, I'm, I'm actually not as comfortable as um, I probably could be. And actually, because I don't really talk about the money I make. Um, like I talk in general about, you know, you can make quarter million, half a million, million dollars in tech, but I rarely talk about like how much money I made. I rarely talk about the countries I've been to. Like I'll post it in my bio for like motivational purposes, but in terms of really getting in depth into it, I always kind of shot away from it. I always highlighted other people. But ultimately, though, I just want to give people the real picture of what life can be like um, if they, you know, execute. But what I also want to make sure that I focus on is the execution, because one thing I don't want to be is that tech influencer that flashes money and lifestyle, etc., but doesn't prepare people for the actual execution and results that they need to achieve to continue to have a longstanding career because we always focus on like the the parties and the conferences and the free lunch and the game room and the office and stuff like that. But we also, as a community, got to remember like we are representing our community when we walk through a tech door. So we got to show up, show out, and uh, let them know we're not just a diversity hire. We are here to bring value uh, as much or more value than our other counterparts. Um, but if you come in with that energy, you come in with that mindset, and you're passionate about what you do, you're passionate about solving problems, uh, I want people to understand that at the end of that is a, a really, really healthy you know, uh, income, a flexible lifestyle if you're able to be remote. And, um, you know, also opportunity to have, you know, generational wealth shifting equity events if you work for a startup.
0: Hmm. I'm glad you mentioned about um, that, you know, not as many black people in the field. So because of that, does that actually put any extra pressure on you when you go to these sales, these sales presentations and things like that?
1: mm no, no, not, not personally the the pressure I feel, more so is just um just performing, but um yeah, I, I never really felt that pressure though like i I really truly felt confident uh that i can i can I can sell anything to anyone, whatever the case is, but it's not about selling people. I wanna be very clear. What made me really confident and why I didn't feel pressure is because I'm not trying to force anything. I'm trying to find the right fit. So if it's not a fit, I'm going to say thank you for your time. I'm going to keep it moving. So I don't feel pressure for you to say yes. I don't feel pressure for it to go perfectly. I do feel like um, I do have an urgency to be my best. But at the end of the day, I'm really like sales for those not familiar with it from an enterprise perspective, it's not about who can convince people into doing something. It's about people that listen really actively to understand the problem and they can very precisely prescribe a solution that will be effective. So when I would go into these presentations, I wasn't like, oh my God, I hope they say yes or I hope this goes well or I hope they you know, buy my product or whatever the case is. It was, let me come in here and learn more about their problem. Let me confirm that we have the right solution. And if we do, then I'll walk them through how the solutions will make their lives better. If they get it, they get it. And if they don't, they don't. Uh, But if they do move forward, good for them. They're gonna see success. If they don't get it, that's unfortunate for them. I'll try a couple more times, to make them understand what they're missing out on. But if they just don't see it, then God bless. I'm going to move on to the next person that does.
0: I want to close with this. Um, There's you and so many others doing a great job of introducing black, um, black, upcoming black men and women to the tech field. Overall, do you feel like we're doing a good job in getting black, more black into the tech field? I think so,
1: but we need to do better job is um, focusing on the kids, uh, the K through 12, getting them acclimated with AI, cybersecurity, software engineering, and um, Web3. Even though Web3 is kind of taking a dip, it's still going to be important to understand the blockchain and understand uh, that field. Eventually, the metaverse will be a real thing, just not right now, but... We're doing a good job of promoting it to a certain extent um i shout to afrotech you know shout out to render atl and a lot of different conferences that are doing great at building community uh black men in tech shout out to them but i think what we really need to do more of is get these big corporations to invest a lot of money into programs for the k through 12 And we need as, um, you know, successful Black people in tech to, one, really focus on referring each other into our companies, and two, making sure that we um, work with these middle schoolers and high schoolers. So that's like the second phase or the next phase of Big Tech Energy. It's like podcast, events, and then programs for kids. And Angel Syndicate, which is basically a bunch of accredited investors pulling their money together and investing in AI companies so we can go, get like dumb rich. And then we take that money and we reinvest in our community into tech programs that upskill our community on tech jobs so that they don't have to get into debt and go to college. They can, you know, uh, take a boot camp their senior year, of high school or like right after high school. And then we place them into um, a near six-figure job that turns into six figures by the time they're able
0: to drink. Mm. Finally, listen, I really thank you for taking the time to do this, do the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And also wanna thank you for the work that you're doing to introduce um, more young Black, just Blacks and Black people in general to tech because it's an underrepresented field and it's great to see you and, and the others that you associated with trying to bring more representation of us. So thank you for that.
1: Absolutely, man. And thank you for, you know, doing what you're doing, you know, creating this platform, highlighting people that are doing good things. And, um, and yeah, um, if anybody wants to, you know, get in touch with me, uh, you can go to direct.me forward slash big tech energy. And that's my like link tree, but it's, you know, my direct.me um, at the top, you'll find uh, a free ebook, 70 pages, details my story, but also talks about strategies, mindset, resources, tips, tricks to break into tech, different roles that are out there, and how you can approach it, uh, and what kind of skills you need to get there, as well as you know, a LinkedIn guide and a resume guide. Um, also, have a community on this app called Entra called Tech Careers. So if you go to the direct.me for slash Big Tech Energy, and you scroll down where it says Tech Careers, that's where I post open roles, uh, events, resources, um, as well as places where you can find startup funding. And uh, also on that link will be my podcast, Big Tech Energy. Uh, please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, also listen on all audio platforms, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. And you know, go ahead and download, that's helpful. Um, Check it out and let me know what you think. And i also do like consultation calls for those that wanna really like get into their resume. I'll show you how to use ChatGPT to optimize your resume, your LinkedIn. And um, you know, if I can, with the bandwidth that I have, uh, you know, shoot you a couple of referrals based off of where you're trying to go. Um, And last but not least, I have a site called blackhire.com. It's a wait list right now. If you're a black freelancer or Uh, a company that hires freelancers would love for you to sign up for the waitlist and as soon as the waitlist is long enough we're going to open it up so that we can start you know creating a hiring frenzy in the freelance space but um yeah and all my other social medias are on there as well so tap in with me on all platforms i do something different on all of them on twitter i talk more ai on instagram i you know chop up the reels from my podcast and then also i do instagram lives uh with you know different guests and we you know answer you know live questions and um you know linkedin you know different thing over there as well in terms of the things i post but um yeah just connect with me everywhere and um yeah stay tuned you know big tech energy is going to be the the biggest podcast in tech period not just black tech but period period and uh, every episode you know every day i'm just figuring out how to uh you know, improve the, uh, content, uh, improve the resources, the impact. We're going to keep getting bigger and bigger
0: guests. So, you know, tap in with me again, man. Thank you for what you're doing. And I'm I'm excited for you because I know it's going to be a great podcast. Just watching it, listening to it. You got some great things ahead and I'm looking forward to seeing it. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. Definitely. I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook is also conversations with Lant. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.